Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. We are very blessed, church, with the, the character and caliber of men and women that are here in our congregation, but also that, have, that serve and have served in the house here. Um, I think we're very, very privileged indeed. Um, maybe even more spoiled than many other places. I think that's the goodness of the Lord. Before we come around the word this morning, I don't have a lot of time this morning, but uh, I do want to just ask you just a couple of things. One other announcement. And Tony, thank you again for that testimony. Very moving and very faith-building as well, because you cannot kill that sort of faith no matter what happens, it's indoors. Um, but just to let you know, Feed Cork have contacted me last week to say that they've uh, been given three pallet loads of frozen turkeys, and they're very heavy for the, for the people that come in that are carrying shopping on the bus and stuff, and so um, we're, we're trying to give them out to families that are in need. Maybe you're here this morning and you're, 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 under, you're under a burden and just to just keep your family, you know, just pay your bills so your food bill is under stress. It's for you as well. So if you're like that and say, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm running into difficulty, please don't be embarrassed. Um, there's going to be frozen turkeys, and they're beautiful. They're rolled and boned and stuffed, and they want us to be able to distribute it. Maybe you have a, The reason I'm saying that to you, maybe your need, or you have a neighbor or a friend or a loved one that would be blessed by that, and they'll feed family eight or nine people, ten people probably. So they just want me to say that if you want that, would you, would you contact Annie to feed Cork, Ham, Steve, myself, uh, uh, Andy, and just put your name in, give a phone number so that we can contact you and we can come and take it then. Okay, they'll be delivered sometime. We, we don't have the refrigeration space to bring them all in and store them, so we need to just get names and numbers and we'll make sure that you'll have a turkey. Uh, and it's not for next Christmas, it's for now. Amen. <laughs> so uh, can I ask you, how is, your, how is your family life? How are you getting on with your children? How's your marriage? Any difficulties? Are you facing the dilemma of dealing with the new aliens in your life called children? How to negotiate the teenage life? How to negotiate your children embracing more consciousness of their own um, utility and their own worldview? How are you dealing with the stress of finances? Maybe you're not dealing very well with it. Maybe you're in a difficult situation. Because I want to tell you that marriage is not an easy institution. Two different people coming from two different backgrounds sometimes. Gender, obviously, completely different. Outlook in life can be strange. The reason I'm seeing all that is because at the end of the month, we have uh, Dr. Neil Rhodes. is a very good friend of mine, a good friend of the church, too. He's going to be ministering here on a Wednesday night uh, and on a Friday night. So we're, we're spacing it up. Wednesday night service is going to be given to this and Friday night. And he was with marriage ministries for over 25 years in the United States. He's a man that made a lot of mistakes in his own marriage, so he's very candid about that. He had one of his own children went really astray, you know, so even as a minister and as a, as a senior associate at Times Square Church for over 15 years, had his own run-in-the-mill issues and troubles. But God used him really wonderfully in the area of, of dealing with marriages. So if, if you would like that, we would encourage you to mark your diaries towards the end of the month, Wednesday night. And the title of that series is two nights, as I said, Wednesday and a Friday night. You'll get more details next week. We'll have some artwork to go up and you can get the details. But we're putting into your economy because if you're like most of us, you need a little bit of help. 
If you're like most of us, you need to start making more investment into the most important thing in your life, which is your family, your marriage and your family. So the title of the two seminars are going to be What Works? So they're basically going to share with you as a couple, him and Nolene Rhodes, his wife, what has worked in their life and pass on some knowledge and help. And it'll be engaging. It'll be fun. Anybody who knows Pastor Neil is a fun person to talk with. And he's a very real person as well. Also that weekend, he'll be ministering here at Cork Church on the Sunday morning and on the Sunday nights. We're running two nights again, Sunday morning, Sunday night. The reason being he's going to deal with the new covenant and the seven statements of the cross. It'll be a big, big whiteboard here where he's going to go through it. It'll be, tel- it'll be camera, so it'll come on the screen as well for you. And it's going to be interactive. And we would encourage you to make that Sunday morning and part B for Sunday night. If you want to really understand soteriology, which is the plan of salvation, how that has worked. A lot of you might think, oh, I know it all already. Trust me, I've been a minister for many, many years, and I'm only expanding into the vastness and the most incredible revelations. And with that truth, it sets you free in greater degrees in your life. So you need to understand that. You need to understand why you can stand before a holy God, because some of us have things going on up here that are not all that holy, and yet God still receives us. And what's the basis of that? If you don't know the basis of that, then you'll never come into his presence, because you'll always be terrified of God. And so you need to understand the power of the covenant. So he's going to be here to do quite a bit of work. So we're going to put him to his paces. And I need to just uh, give you the heads up on that. That's going to be, re- that, you know, it's not for me. Even I'm going to enjoy it. It's for everyone. I'm so sorry. And children, I'm so sorry. I'm going to de- release you right now. Ben is waiting down there. Go to your Sunday school classes this morning. Give the kids a clap. Some have already evaporated out the door. But as they leave this morning. Uh, if you're visiting mom and dad, you have a baby that's not settling. We do have a televised area in the balcony, so you can catch the service there. And if you don't know where the kids go, you can go with your kids now. The ushers will meet you. It's all children compliant. We've got a good child protection policy in place and cameras all over this building. Amen. That records to keep our congregation safe as well. So the Lord bless you. And again, to the newcomers this morning, those who are in new... I'm so delighted you're here. As Andy said, you're invited along next Sunday for that luncheon. And it's not a, it's not a grilling session. It's just for us to meet with us, some of our leaders. It'll be very casual, some good food. We'll show you some slides of what we do in the church. Uh, be questions and answers. If you want any questions, you can ask them. But it's really just to kind of break the ice. And uh, I hope you can make that. I think if this is where God is leading you to church, I think this will be a great opportunity for you just to have that the one-on-one. You know what it's like Sunday morning over the years. I have people come to me and I go up to them and say, oh, how long have you been at Cork Church? And they look at me with disgust. I've been here five years. You know, well, they're usually the last late coming in and the first to leave. You know what I mean? I'm thinking, fine, well, that's shame on you then. You didn't come and say hello to me, you know? <laughs> so really with ministers, because you get very concentrated at all the times so that some people come in and you just don't get the chance to meet the people, you know? So these are times for us to meet and to find each other's hearts. And of course, as the pastors and leaders of the church, are, we're here to help you grow in the Lord and to help you find a place in the body so that you can, you can function as a Christian and have a sense of accomplishment with your life because Jesus is coming back. And you know, if, if the sum total of your life and my life is just the wealth that you're going to leave behind you, well, what a wasted life, you know. And uh, I just love what Tony was sharing with you because it just confirms some of the sentiments I want to talk with you this morning. I want to talk about, there was actually a book, a couple of books written by Watchman E that I read many, many years ago. Can't recall all the details, but Sit, Walk, Stand was one of them. And the other one was The Normal Christian Life. And I, I kind of want to talk about that this morning, about the normal Christian life. And... Um, because it, it should be normal. Amen? 
it should be normal. It should flow out of, out, out of something that's very natural for us. When you learn to do it, that tends to be religion. Do you understand? You just learn ritual. You, you learn technique. But the Christian life is, is that it's a life. It's living and it's organic. And, and, and it's something that I believe that, that reflects the reality of, of a transcendent power coming in into your life. But not a, not a power that comes in to, to force his way. And that would never be righteous. That, you know, God doesn't do that. He comes in by invitation and leads by resignation. You have to resign the wheel. You have to be open to him. He never forces us. That's, that's the, the beauty of Christian possession versus demon possession. And if you have ever been into anything dark in your history, you will understand that in, in, a, in, in, in demon possession and in darkness, friends, there is, there is no love. There is no care. There's just abuse. And, and that's not who our God is. Amen. He is a God of love and a great God of kindness. Now, I want to read from Genesis 14, and hopefully we can tie this into a, a thought that maybe you can take home with you and enjoy and maybe be encouraged. So, Father, I just pray now as we come around your word, these few words this morning will bless every life. And, uh, Lord, it will exalt you, Lord God, but encourage us to, Lord, even move out further into the life that you have given to us, the normal Christian life. Genesis 13, verse 14, after Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abraham, now this is before he named him Abraham, so Abraham, look as far as you can see in every direction, north, south, east, and west. I'm giving you all this land as far as you can see to, your, to you and your descendants as a permanent possession. And I will give you so many descendants that just like the dust of the earth, they will not be counted. Now he says in verse 17, go and walk through the land in every direction that I'm giving to you. What an, what an invitation from the Lord from, to, to Abraham at the time. Now Abraham, I'm going to say Abraham, even though it's Abraham here, but we all know Abraham better. Abraham, I now want you to go and I want you to just walk through everything that I'm giving you. I want you to walk into this life and I want you to explore every area of the power of my prophetic word over you. I want you to think about that for a moment. This is quite profound because when we look at it later on, this, this very prophecy, of course, is fulfilled in the very ministry of Jesus. They estimate that Jesus walked 21,500 miles in his lifetime, nearly 4,500 in the last three years of his life. He walked north, south, east, and west into this very area of the land. To the north, to the Syrian Phoenician woman, way up north to Sidian. Right down to the east, to the Gadareans, to a demoniac, way to the very furthest eastern point. And then to Samaria, to the west, to a Samaritan woman at a well. It's a lot of walking, friends. It's a lot of putting, you know, and then right down to the wilderness of sin, to the very south. You know, these are long distances. And you have to understand that our Savior was animated, uh, led by the Spirit. The very first thing that happened under the waters of baptism of John, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, right south, to be tempted by the enemy. And so here is Christ, in many ways, the literal land, fulfilling prophetically. Now you can overlook this very easily, friends, but I want to tell you, detail in the Bible is actually, everything is scripted. Every, every I is dotted correctly, Amen. Every allegory, every storyline, it all, it's seamless. It always blends in to a fulfillment of everything in Christ. 
I think someone wrote a book, The, the Meaning of Everything. Is it a movie or a book? It's just a title I saw somewhere. The Meaning of Everything. You know, and so people are always looking for meaning. People are always looking for truth. People are always looking for ways. People are always looking for life and light. But it's actually personified, isn't it? Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And yet people are trying to find truth in philosophy <laughs> and in science. And there's elements there, friends, and just areas that we can kind of get hold and appreciate some of the mechanics of the world around us. And then life can be getting back to the gym and let uh, Ethany put you through the paces to lose a few pounds and to keep fit class or come join tennis with Pastor Nick and lose maybe two and a half pounds if you're lucky. But, you know, and so life, people are looking for life and health. And people are looking for a way for their life, but it's actually not in these areas, friends. It's personified in a person. The fullness of the Godhead dwelled bodily in my Lord, the Apostle Paul wrote of Christ. And you and I are complete in Him. And so the Bible talks about Romans 6, talked about Christ. This life He lived, He lived unto God. And so friends, you and I have been given. Paul says we have this treasure in the earthen vessel. You are the earthen vessel. For some of you young believers, this is, a, this is an allegory that Apostle Paul uses in the book of Corinthians, that you are the earthen vessel. You, and we're made from clay. From clay you were made, and from dust you return, the scripture says. And so the, but in you, something, powerfully, something powerful took place at the moment of conversion. And sometimes you weren't altogether aware of how enormous that was. When you place a seed into the earth, you don't really, you don't give it any time. In actual fact, you can just toss the seed into the earth and, and, and nothing's happening. It must be dead, just something wrong. But no, when it germinates, some, it has to die. When it germinates and then when it's watered, you give it time, you're going to see the life appear. And that's the same with every Christian. The, 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 the power is within. The life has been shed abroad in your heart. The love of God, the Holy Spirit, takes up residency and, and I think we have very little understanding of how enormous that is because I want to tell you that is the power that transforms us, amen. That is the power that reveals Christ in us and through us and to a world about us. You and I, friends, the very sheer fact that we exist in this earth are a natural light to people. You mightn't think it, you might say, oh, I'm very moody today. Even in your moody day, the Holy Spirit is in you. Amen. Even in, your, even in your cranky day, or even in the day that you just couldn't give a kadal up. I wasn't going to curse, don't worry. <laughs> even when you just couldn't care less what people think and you let your guard down. There is something that's been shed into your life that is so powerful that it's beyond you. It's transcendent. It doesn't, it belongs to you, yes, but you can't manipulate it. It belongs with the fact that he was given as a gift. Amen. And so, to be possessed by God and to move into the possession of God, the land around you, to be able to walk in the fullness and the width and the breadth and the height and the depth of your salvation and your Christian life, that is what a normal Christian is meant to start to exercise from the very moment they say amen to receiving Christ into their life. The very day you give your life to Christ is the very day that Holy Spirit came into you, sealed you, you became born again. Seasons may have passed and you haven't seen a huge amount of change. But I want to tell you, some of us change faster than others. Some of us change slower. But you can't deny 
back in 1960, 1980, 2020, 2021, whatever it was, whatever date it was, when God came in and the life of God came in, it's an, it's an undefutable, you can't, you can't dispute it. It's an und- you just can't argue it out of your own mind because every Christian goes back to a moment. We may not remember the exact day, time, or hour. Some are brilliant because you're more studious than people like me. You write down on the 25th of, at 11.55 and four seconds past, I gave my life to Jesus. I love those sort of testimonies. Uh, I, to me, I kind of just morphed into the life of the gospel somehow, some way. I squeezed in the door that, that way. But I can't deny that this life came into me. And then with that life came promises. And then with that life it came something that says that you as a Christian become even, the Apostle Paul uses this term again, you become even the aroma of Christ. Not a, you know, before you ever open your mouth. There's something about, and, and, and you need to give a bit more utility to who's living in you. You need to stop looking at yourself and criticizing yourself and criticizing others and take a step back to who exactly came in to live inside you. Because one day he's going to rapture you, amen. You see, one day the Holy Spirit's going to take you with him up that way, do you understand? (laughs) Nobody's pulling you down there. You ain't going down, friends. You're going up because he lives in you, do you understand? You're invincible. And sometimes we need, God, will you open my eyes? We saw that in physical sense in the Old Testament with Gehesia when, when, when the armies surrounded the city of Samaria and the prophet of Elijah is there and he thinks this is terrible but he's, the prophet prayed, God opened his eyes that he would see there's more on our side than on, on theirs and at a moment in time he had a revelation of exactly the angels of God and the armies of heaven that surround you. Do you know the Bible says that God has given his angels charge over you? Amen. They surround you. To bless you. Nothing can happen to you without God's say so. This is not an act of the enemy. Whether God wants to glorify himself through you, through this situation or out of this situation, whatever way, God will have a testimony. And you and I will be in glory. You can't kill the Christian. He's already died to his own will. That's the reality. I am until he says I'm not. That's the Christian life. And the apostle Paul is commending that, you know, Matthew 9, sorry, Colossians 2, 17, it says, Whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So I just want to talk about one aspect of the normal Christian life. The literally just being a Christian. Yes. Not the doing part. There's plenty of doing to be done, and I'm not trying to run away from obligation that there is disciplines for the Christian that we should employ. People ask me, well, with, with the grace message, do I, do I need to pray? Do I need to read my Bible? Well, I just simply say, well, do you need to brush your teeth? No, only, only the teeth that you want to keep. You don't need to You can go around gumsy all your life. You can go around defeated as a Christian. You can go around anemic as a Christian all your life and still make heaven. But what a miserable life. Why suffer that when he suffered so much to give you his glory? Do I need to do this? Let's dispense of the need to do this for a moment because that's not a lesson in the need to do things. If you want to excel in your Christian life, if you want to be the man and woman that begins to be the Rome of Christ, that freshness of God in your life, I want to tell you, first of all, lay hold of the concept that he has given you a land to move into. He's given you a world around you, amen. And wherever you find yourself in that world, do everything unto him. Everything in the name of Jesus. You know, I'm starting to learn secrets all these years later. And I have massive attacks against me, as you have. I don't want to stand up here and give a boo-hoo from me this morning. But none of us 
are wrapped in cotton wool, friends. Not one of us goes through this life and doesn't have, you know, enormous strains upon us. Life is not easy. Life is difficult. Say that again. Life is difficult. And if it's not difficult for you, I hate to burst your bubble and rain in your parade. It just means you're too young to understand. But one day, maybe you will understand. And you say, well, if that guy can make it through, that pastor can make it through, so can I. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, even before the difficult days come, you're going to make it through anyhow. Because he's faithful to you. And so we're given a life in Christ. Now Christ, this life that Christ was given, he lived on to God. And that's what God wants you and I to do, to live this life for him. Whatever we do, wherever we walk, he told Abraham, go walk around this life. Wherever the sole of your foot, he told Joshua and Moses before him, wherever the sole of your foot shall trot out, shall give you. Which means, it, which means there was a sense of intentionality about how they lived. There was a sense of the spiritual. There was a sense that because I'm here, God is here. Amen. That, that sounds very cocky, doesn't it? I'm not, I don't have a God complex. I'm talking about God in me. Do you understand? Because I'm here, He's here. Because you're here and I'm here, I'm here together, He's here in greater measure. Because it's when, when two or three gather together in my name, He's talking about even in a greater way does He manifest Himself. But even when I'm on my own, the Holy Spirit, God, is living in me. The Bible says in Him we live, and in Him we move. We have our being. And so in this life, there's that sense that God wants you to live with that sense of purpose and a sense of possessing. That everything you do as a Christian is weighted. Everything. Everything you do, you learn to give thanks. Everything you do is tempered with the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And I want you to think about adopting this as maybe some lifestyle practices. Yes. You housewives, you're not doing it for your children, you're doing it for the Lord. Amen. You're not doing it for your husband, you're doing it for the Lord. You're living this life with intentionality. You are the aroma of Christ. Yes. You're not feeding the people that feed cork. Because you have to. You're doing it for the Lord. You're not even doing it for them. You're doing it for them, of course. But it's because God put a love in your heart for them. Looking after my husband. Looking after my wife. You're doing it in the name of Jesus. Do everything in the name of Jesus. That's walking through the land in the name of Jesus. Every place the sole of my foot should travel in the name of Jesus. Every contact in the name of Jesus. When I put my hand to the sink to wash a cup, it's in the name of Jesus. Because if it's not, you become resentful. Because your husband will take advantage of all the workload or your wife will take advantage of your wallet. It doesn't matter, friends. You do it in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 I'm not doing this. I'm not providing for my family because it's just a thing to do. I'm providing because in the name of Jesus I'm doing this. Everything that I do, I do it in the name of Jesus. I do it unto Jesus. Whatever you do, word or deed, do everything in the name of our Lord Jesus. That's walking through the land. With absolute possession. Do you understand? Everything you do. You wake up. You start your car. Go on your journey. We, we took a journey a couple of weeks ago to up to Dublin. And shame on all us pastors. We drove one way. I think uh, just yapping because we got caught up. We were like kids on a school run. You know, we were just... Yeah, I know you think that we get to shoot the breeze all the time, but the four of us on road trip, you know, so the idea is where do, where do we get some nice food in the way and have some fun because we're going to this pastor's meeting in Dublin. And then on the way back, Pastor Mark said to me, he said, Jim, I think we should pray, you know. I'm like, oh, of course, of course we should pray. <laughs> and, uh, the conviction on us all, because we're not, it's not natural. Sometimes you have to 
contrive in your mind and begin to think, if I'm going to be the aroma of God, live a, norm, a normal Christian life, it's a normal thing to give thanks for your food. Yes. It shouldn't be religious. It should be normal. I'm a Christian. I'm going to thank my God for what's on my plate. Yes. Amen. I'm not going to take it for granted that we're going to make it from Dublin to Cork without incident. I'm going to pray. Do everything unto the Lord. It's amazing how life changes when it's lived for His glory. If you're just living your life for functionality from getting from point A to point B to putting food on the table and paying a bill, well, I'm telling you, you're being robbed of walking in the land. You're not possessing it. And God would have you to possess the land, living with intentionality, walking in the promises, just as Jesus did. Go walk in the land, Abraham. Every direction, north, south, east, and west. Look at your life, every area. Your love for people, your neighbors, your friends. Everywhere the sole of your foot, when you're visiting that cranky aunt who doesn't, can't stand your faith, or that sister and brother that turned their back on the Lord, or that person has a different worldview than you, thinks you're nutcase, you know, or whether it's that Boston work that is absolutely cruel to the core and doubly cruel to you because you're a Christian. It doesn't matter, friends, everywhere you go, I'm not doing this job for him, I'm doing it for the Lord. You can't take my blessing from me, friend. I'm not working for you, I'm working for him. God placed me in this work. And when God takes me out and puts me somewhere else, until that happens, I'm doing it for him. The motivation is different for the Christian. That's why the Christian does everything. If he's walking with the intentionality, if he's walking the natural, normal Christian life, it's on to the Lord. He needs to remind myself again, why am I doing all this? Why am I waking up in the morning? What's this about? Take a hard, long look at your life. Because if it's without intentionality, without the purposes of God, without understanding that there's, a, there's, a, there's actually a mystical value to the Christian's presence in this world. There is. There's a mystical presence, friends. The aroma of Christ. When I mean the word mystical, it's something that inspires a sense of spiritual mystery and awe. Isn't that awesome, isn't it? Isn't it awesome that all of a sudden you hear there's a born-again Christian working in aisle five or check out six and it goes around the place I wonder what they're about I heard that they baptize in the nude <laughs> well, that's what it used to say about me when I became a Christian oh, do you wear those you know all this sort of nut stuff I heard they're after your money I heard they're praying they believe in praying in these tongues there's a mystical conversation goes on because of your presence it's amazing you provoke people to think about the spiritual the sheer fact why because Christ is in you. Hallelujah. There's nothing special about us other than that, friends. Other than that, we're, you get, we're just an opinion. And you get an opinion from any bar stool in Ireland. And good luck if you want to live your life by those. You get the best of a natural mind. You, you know, I, I watched a documentary years ago on Dr. Freud, the, the, the German psycho babble. The guy got into the occult. The guy was horrendously immoral. And yet he wants to pontificate and tell us how to straighten up our minds. Wow, physician, heal thyself. You go to the shrinks, you go to the doctors of this world, lie in their leather couches and let them spawn their ideas upon you and yet their own lives are a shipwreck, amen? I want to tell you, why do we do this? We do this because Christ has so laid hold of our lives and now as a Christian, everywhere I go, everything I do is going to be the sole of my feet in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, Nathan, the day you do this worship, not unto the Lord, it's performance. Same with every musician. You're not performing. You're doing this for the Lord. 
You do it with excellence. You do it with mindfulness. You do it understanding. You want to bring a congregation walking with you, praising with you. But if it's not unto the Lord, if it's for the pastors, my God, your, your reward will be so uh, disappointing. <laughs> All those musicians ever get and the sound people the same. It's just, uh, it's too loud. It's too this. It's not Christ-centered enough. It's, yeah, it's a bit fast this morning. Uh, Kerry, uh, drums were too loud or whatever it might be. You don't do it for us. You're doing it for him. See, those who come into the building here, God bless you, know who you are. Mopping and cleaning, there's some saints here that just, they don't even have to be asked. They don't care if I don't see them. They don't care if I never see them. Others are just so needy, they want me to tap them on the back. And I get that, I, I, I was needy at the time, but I want you to go on to maturity. I want you to say, you know, it's always nice to have it. Um, someone thank you. It really is. But I'm waiting for the greater thank you. The one that matters the most. And that's living with intentionality. Jesus walked in the land of Israel. He fulfilled the Abrahamic promise. He mirrors the very instructions that were given to Abraham from Genesis 13, north, south, east, and west. And so God doesn't want us to live. He wants us to walk with intent, to walk with purpose, because we are the very, very aroma of Christ. You know, he says, if you give a cup of water in my name, yeah, those are people giving cups of water and they're forgotten. But when you give a cup of water in my name, it'll not be forgotten you. Do you see what I'm saying? Whatever you do, do it in his name. Because you get the eternal side of what's happening here. Handing out those food baskets. There are some great institutions that feed far better and far more than what Cork Church does. But I want to tell you, and maybe they do it in his name, but I want to tell you, whatever we do, we're going to do it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Because I tell you, there's something mystical and powerful. And you know, that food going down into the belly of some child, maybe the Holy Spirit will provoke them and say, that's my love to you today. The world has forgotten you, but I haven't forgotten you. I said last Thursday, I met a young woman from Brazil and a young man from South America, somewhere in South America, a Spanish speaker and Portuguese speaker, both over here. He just landed some work. He just four months here had completely run out of money. He was able to work 20 hours a week, just got a job, so the pressure was off him. But she broke down in tears. She's here now four months, and she's run out of money. Run out of money. And the tears and the vulnerability were all over her. And I said to her, you know what? I said, we are the answer to your mom and dad's prayers. Because you are never going to go hungry here, and I'm hunting for a job. Anybody got a job for a girl? I'm sorry, anyone got a job for a lovely Christian girl for 20 hours a week? She'll work, clean, do whatever. But my point was this. We weren't just there, friends, just to put food in people's hands and out the door again. We were here with intentionality to be the aroma of Christ. Amen. And I wasn't shoving the gospel down her throat. I don't know if even she's a believer or not. I asked her, could I pray with them? They were happy for me to pray. But I'm just trying to say, when you do something in his name, it carries some power, friends, that you don't realize it. You're the aroma of Christ practically and spiritually and as I said even mystically you inspire a sense of spiritual mystery and awe in people fascination you, you start to bring blessings to people that they've never sought for do you know because you're in that workplace you know there's a blessing upon that employer you don't realize it there's a blessing upon that place of employment you bring with you friends the salt which brings flavor hallelujah into the society around you. You bring flavor into the workplace where it's bland. Hallelujah. 
There's something about you, Christian, that is far more delightful than what you give yourself credit for, even with all your mistakes and troubles. And I want you to lift your eyes this morning and say, thank be to God, that's the truth. Because me and my own, I'm, I'm very, very ugly. My attributes are not kindly. I'm not any gift to anybody, but Christ in me is the hope of glory, the treasure in the earthen vessel, the life that is natural for me to live. We inspire. Jesus went through all the towns and villages with intentionality, all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion, it says, for, for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. My point is that he walked into the inheritance. He went into towns, villages, whatever town you find yourself, whatever village you live in, whatever street you are. You know, Christian, be very practical with your life. Don't be worrying. As Tony said, you haven't got a platform. You've got a neighbor. Everybody, I love street preaching. You don't get me wrong. I think we need to revise that and get on the streets as well. But I want to tell you one thing, friends. God has placed neighbors in your life right next to you. You could touch them next door. And right there, God says, I want you to be the aroma of life to them. I want you to walk in. And as you go visit them, you don't need to announce your Christianity. Preach the gospel. Just say, I'm doing this in the name of Jesus. Father, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to have a cup of tea with this neighbor. Just going to find out how they're getting on with their life. Going to try to support them any way I can. And Lord, if in any way, Lord, you can shine through me, that you can bring that mystical uh, sense of your presence, God, that you maybe whet the appetite of this person to seek higher rather than lower. God, let it be done. Amen. That's walking in the kingdom. That is walking and expanding into the life. This is the normal Christian life, friends. This is what God would have from you and from me. You don't do any of these things for ourselves, not even for our children or our wives, because I tell you, that motivation runs thin. It sounds, it's great at the beginning. It is great at the beginning. It's great to be doing this, you know, even to start a married life, to start a children's life, and it's going and going, it's great, but you know, it can wear down. Some chickens, because they know it's true, it wears down until, so, hi, my motivation is higher. And when I do everything in the name of Jesus, then God begins to reveal the grace upon your life and through your life, and which ministers beyond your ability and beyond your giftings and beyond your talents and beyond your vocabulary. There's something of the wonder of the gospel begins to penetrate this world. And that is the normal Christian life. Not super spiritual, naturally spiritual. So I would encourage you to pray every morning. Pray before you drive your cars. Pray before you go into a neighbor's house. Pray before you open up the Bible. Don't be opening up the Bible without prayer. It's going to be a dead letter to you. Say, God, I can't understand it. I don't know what it's saying. But I'm going to read it, trusting that you will do something in my life. That is moving into the land with intentionality because you're doing it in the name of Jesus. Everything you do. Moms who are getting worn down with the workload, with indifferent husbands. Husbands that are getting worn down with the indifference within your wife. Say, I will love, not because I feel like it, because Christ, in the name of Christ, in the name of my Savior. And I want to tell you, that is the way God would have breakthrough. And that's how you will expand in the lands of promises that this gospel reaches to the very dark and furthest regions of your life in every area of manifestation. Hallelujah. Would you stand this morning with me? We've gone over time.
but I would like us to pray. I'd like you to pray with me. And say, say as a Christian, I want everywhere the sole of my foot to go, I want it to be an honoring place for the Lord. Everywhere I walk, I just want to be the aroma of Christ. I want to pray with the encounters that I have. You don't need to always preach, friends. In actual fact, if you pray and go with the intentionality of just being a Christian, there, there is a power that is, that, is, that is working and willing and working within us that, that reaches the far greater places than the rationale of a man. See, I, I, can, I can challenge most men. I'm re reasonably well read, and I'm pretty good in apologetics, not to be boastful, but I can have an argument with someone, and I could probably win it. But you never win anyone with an argument. You don't. You win someone with that demonstration of the love of God that is transcends. In other words, they say, I need to sense something of God here. And there's no argument with that. Because that's what won you. And that's what won me. And that's the only thing that's going to win this world. So I would ask you to bow your heads with me in a final closing word of prayer this morning. And in the light of the presence of God, the breaking of bread was rich this morning. The testimony for our brother Tony was compelling. Compelling. It was time of the Lord. It was time of this word. Because he's simply saying, I'm just going to be what I've always been. I've always trusted God. Why am I going to change now? I am until he says I'm not. Even in those statements, Tony didn't tell you half the stories, man. He got to pray with the consultants. He got to pray with doctors and nurses. He got to share his light with people. You know, he began to share it with people, the reason of his confidence. And I'm sure people are looking with two heads saying, oh, well, you got, you got a number four one going on there. And uh, we've seen and heard this before. It doesn't matter if you've seen and heard before. Let me tell you, there's a God in heaven. Hallelujah. And whether I die now or 50 years time, it doesn't matter. You're going, I want you to know you can know him too. That's being a normal Christian, friends. Father, I pray you would help us to be normal Christians. That this would be natural. And that we would speak of you as a friend, Lord. And not some distant relative, Lord. Or some, of some obscure character, Lord, that we've heard about, Lord. But Lord, we would not just... Lord, we would possess... We would possess, Lord God, this life in all its completeness in our lives from our workplace to our social life. And I pray, Lord, for young men and women here that would socialize, Lord, and, and they would never think about just saying before you leave, let's just commit you to the Lord tonight. I pray, God, that that will start to happen, that everything will be done, even the social will be done with a commitment to the Lord out of a natural sense. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So those friendships, Lord, will go beyond the social into, Lord, a spiritual strengthening of one another. I ask you, Lord, that you would help our families, Lord, those who are struggling, Lord God, that they would start to turn around the battles and say, I'm doing this because I love Christ. Sometimes I don't love my husband. Sometimes I don't love my children. And I run out of it. But I'm doing this because the one who has never disappointed me, the one who has never taken advantage of me, the one that continually is to uphold me, forgives me, loves me, caresses me, I'm doing it for him, for his glory. And then he shines his face upon you again and he fills you with love for that husband or wife or that friend or that, that situation that you're in, that difficulty of relationship. He will soften it. He will do something beyond what your words can do. The mystical, supernatural power of God gets released. 
And so, Lord, I pray for our church, Cork Church today, Lord, for our listeners, Lord, those who may be watching, that we would be the normal Christians. And on everywhere, the sword of our foot would be done in the name of Jesus. Every act, every deed, every thought, every action would be in Jesus' name. And all the glory would go to you. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. God bless you all this morning. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website. It's www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time.